Hey, I'm really excited about a brand new series that we're starting today called Reboot. And you can turn with me in your Bible to two passages of Scripture. Uh, one is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. We'll be there in just a few minutes. You just hold your place there. I want you to have time to find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And, and then the other verse is, is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. So turn to those two passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Um, let me just start by saying I, I want us to really go on a journey over these next few weeks. And so we're going to talk about a lot of things that you can write down and hopefully that you can refer back to um, over these next few days, things that you can remember. And, and so I, I'm just going to give you a little bit of time this morning. If you want to pull out your phone, I, I don't want you to be on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, but if you want to find a place where you can take a note, uh, if, you're, if you're still old school like me and you like pen and paper and you want to write some stuff down, that'd be a good thing to do over these next few weeks. Um, because I think this is a series that will really help you if you'll really um, lean into it over these next few weeks. Um, so let's start with this. It's football season. Anybody excited about that? I see a, a lot of jerseys in the room today, so I know there are some people excited about that. Uh, I see a lot of Patriots jerseys, so there's a lot to pray about that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and call your team out. Go ahead. And, yeah, okay. All right. A lot of people need Jesus is what, what that means. Um, I'm just glad I, there's something on TV other than baseball. Can I get an amen? Amen. So um, I'm, a, I'm a big football fan, and, and at our house, we pull for the, the Seattle Seahawks, and, and we pull for the Wolf Pack. Um, so we've started out pretty good as the Wolf Pack. We're 2-0. We're That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, it was 1,000 degrees at the game yesterday, so I only saw about 25% of it. I blacked out for 25%, and then I left. So it was a hot day. Uh, but but I, I, love, I love football. But the older I get, the more that I'm paying attention to more than what's just on the field. And, and I caught myself yesterday at the game. Like, I was really invested in what was happening on the sidelines. And, and I was invested on, on what they would do with an athlete when an athlete ran off the field hurt. Like, I couldn't even watch the game. I, I just became enthralled by everything that was happening around the game. And, and, and I recognized that, that what makes a team great is, is not just what happens on the field, but there's so much that happens around that organization and things that happen you don't even see, that we don't even think about, that, that make that organization absolutely incredible. Uh, whether you like him or not, whether you like him or not, one of the greatest football coaches to ever coach the game is, is Nick Saban for Alabama, and we've got some Alabama fans in the house today, uh, but whether you like him or not, he's just an incredible coach, and he just wins and, and builds an incredible program, and so I've done a little research on, on Nick Saban, and, and, and somebody recently said that what makes him such an incredible um, coach is definitely the mind that he has for the game but his willingness to make the right adjustments during halftime. 
So no matter what happens in the first half of the game, and we've seen it over time, where, where they just weren't playing great, they go into the locker room and they come out, and they're like a different team, like this, this, this incredible force to be reckoned with. And, and I'm, I'm recognizing and learning that every organization, every business, every church, every family, every individual that is successful in, in the way that we would say that they're successful, not like, like rich or, or wealthy or just winning all the time, but, but they just accomplished the mission. Right? They set a goal, they set a vision, they, they have a mission, they're on purpose, and they accomplish it. So we kind of look at that as, as success. And, and anybody who's able to do that is, is able to, at the right moments in their life, to make adjustments, to, to hit the refresh boot button, to, to reboot, if you will. And, and I'm convinced that there are some of us that, that need to hit the reboot button. Like, this is a great season for us coming out of summer, going into the fall. Uh, the fall is a great time for our, our, our church. It's a, it's a great time for our families. There's a lot of great things happening. And I want us in this next season to really just soar as we follow Jesus. But for some of us, this summer's not been the greatest season. And I think how you finish one season determines how you walk into the next. And that's true in anything. How you come out of one relationship determines how you go into the next. How you come out of one job and in that season of your life determines how you walk into the next. And so I want us to, to do well in this season. And for us to do that, I think over these next few weeks, we need to hit the, kind, of, kind of hit the reboot button um, and just take a minute, if you will. And so here's what I'd like to ask you to do over these next few weeks. I don't want you to miss even one message in this series. Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to do two things. We're going to make some, some adjustments that really matter. I think there are three mistakes that a coach makes when he goes into a locker room at halftime. And if you've been around sports, it really applies to any, any sport. A coach makes three mistakes. A coach will go into the locker room and let his emotions or her emotions get the best of her. Uh, they'll, they'll make adjustments that don't really matter and don't really impact the outcome of the game. And, and, then, and then finally, they just kind of give up and lose hope, right? We've seen those things happen. And they go into the locker room and lose their ever-loving mind. Can I just tell you, so many times, your emotions will lead you astray. Your emotions will lead you like the wind, you know? In one moment, your emotion's here, and the next moment, it's here. That's why in one moment, you will lose your mind, you'll lose your cool, you'll, you'll lose your temper, and you'll let somebody have it, and it's not two minutes later, you feel like a complete idiot, right? What happened? Your emotions changed. You had a swing in your emotions, and your emotions, if you're not careful, will lead you astray. But another mistake that we make is we make adjustments in our life that just don't matter. They, they, they don't impact the game. We, we, we do some things and we do some things different, but we don't always do the right thing. We don't make the right adjustments. Or we'll make the right adjustments, but we don't carry out that long enough for us to actually experience the benefit of that. And many of us do that. Like we want to do things different. We know the right things to do, so we're going to do something different. And we start doing it for, a, for about a week, and, then, and then, then we just kind of give up on it because we're not seeing the results that we thought that we would see. But we don't give it enough time to actually see that benefit our lives. 
And then the third thing that happens is sometimes we just give up hope. And, and we just kind of begin to rationalize that how it has been is all it will ever be. And we just accept that this is the way that our life has got to be. And so we just kind of accept mediocrity and average as, as the way that we're going to live our lives. And, and in this series, like I want us to kick all that out of the way. I don't want our emotions to lead us. I want the truth of God's word to lead us. I want us to make adjustments in our life that really do matter. And I want us to know that as long as Jesus is on the throne and there is breath in our body, we have hope to see this next season different than the last. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, like this season for our family, like we call summer of 2019, okay? We call it the summer of suck, okay? And if my mom's watching, I apologize, okay? Because I know I shouldn't have said that in church. But we, that's what we call it. Because there's just no other way to refer to it as. It's just been that way. But I'm convinced that our next season doesn't have to be defined by our previous season. And so I think some of us just need to hit the reboot button, okay? So over the next few weeks, we're going to make some major adjustments that really matter. And here's the other thing we're going to do. We are going to use the Bible as our blueprint for life to determine what those things should be in our life. And I challenge you to be here and not miss even one message in this series. So that's where we're going. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse uh, chapter 11 verse 1. This is what Paul says, okay? Paul says, here's what you should do. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, okay? So Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and, and, and this is what he's saying. He's saying, I'm following Jesus here, and I am doing my best to imitate him. And so Paul says to the Corinthian church, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, disclaimer, I am not asking you to imitate me, all right? That's not what I'm saying, all right? Everybody very clear, all right? Do not imitate me, all right? As my dad would say, do as I say, do not as I do, right? Like Paul, but Paul's getting it right here. So I'm saying, Paul is saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. Now I think that's actually the definition of a disciple. A disciple is one who follows Jesus, but at the same time is leading other people. So our mission at North Park is to build lifelong followers of Jesus. If we're truly doing that and you are a lifelong follower of Jesus, what that means is you, as you follow Jesus, are striving to be an example that other people can follow. Whether it be your children, whether it be people that live in your home, whether it be your neighbors or your co-workers, like as you follow Jesus, you want to live your life in such a way that people can follow you and your example because you are showing them what it looks like to follow Christ. And, and, and this is kind of what Paul is saying in, in Philippians chapter 4. It kind of sounds like that. And this is what he says in verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4, always be filled with joy. So that'd be a great thing for you to do. Be filled with joy. And, and, and he says, um, I, I say it again, rejoice. 
Let everyone see that you are considerate in everything that you do. Why? Remember the Lord's coming soon. And then there's verse 6. We're very familiar with this verse of Scripture because I quote it almost every time I preach. It just showed up in this verse today. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. Here's the outcome. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you walk in Christ Jesus. Now, look at verse 8. This is a really important verse of Scripture. Because I don't think anything that we talk about over the next few weeks will happen. I don't see any positive change happening in your life until you get verse 8. Because I believe that transformation begins in our mind. In fact, Romans says it this way, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And some of us, until we change the way we think about a thing, uh, we're not going to see change happen in that thing. In verse 8, he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Here's what you must do. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, and what is right, and what is pure, and what is lovely, and what is admirable, not on the things you see on Facebook. I added that. That's not in there. But think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then here's verse 9. Sounds exactly like it did in Corinthians. Keep putting into practice everything you've learned, everything you've received, everything you've heard. Paul says, everything you've seen me doing. Like as I follow Jesus, as I imitate him, I want you to come on this journey with me. And if you'll do that, then the God of peace, the God of peace will be with you. Now let's think about Jesus, because Paul's not just saying do what I'm doing. Paul's saying I'm following Jesus, okay? And, and I want you to follow him with me. So if, as we think about the example that he was following, let's think about Jesus for a second. Most people, I don't think we realize, Jesus was 33 when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. That's pretty young, you know, 33. Um, that's that's, an, that's accomplishing a lot in a very short period of time, you know. I remember when I turned 33, and I thought, wow, Jesus died when he was my age, right? That was a weird thing to even think about. How much Jesus accomplished in that short period of time. Uh, if, if we knew somebody in our lives who died at the age of 33, what would we say? Man, they died so young. But in that short period of time, Jesus accomplished and taught us so much. And I'm convinced that he knew that he had a very limited amount of time on this earth. And that everything that he did while he walked on this planet was an example for me and you to follow as, as, we, as we follow him. And so I think what we need to do is, is get into his word and figure out what Jesus did with his time and what Jesus did with the energy that he had and follow that example. But here's what we see. We don't see Jesus like working 100% of the time. And we don't see that at all. We don't see Jesus out in the, in, the, in the city like healing people every single hour of every single day and, and preaching on a hillside every single hour of every single day. But what we see is this cycle in Jesus' life where Jesus would, would pull away to a very solitary place and spend time with his father. We see that 
all the time, like over and over. Jesus pulling away to a solitary place, getting alone, getting his mind right, getting his heart right, like getting it straight. And then when, when the Father, the Holy Spirit began to fill him back up, right, he would then step out and he would go to work, right? And he's giving it everything he had. And then what do we see? That cycle again, he would pull away and he would recharge and he would, he would, he would reboot and he would refresh and then he would go out and he would do ministry. Again, he was constantly withdrawing and spending time with his father. I believe that's a great example that we can follow. If you're working all the time, you're working more than God ever intended you to work. But on the same note, like we can't stay in that solitary place all the time. We just always want to be by ourselves. Like we just always want to kind of do that thing and, and, and just sit in our hammock all the time and, and, and sip on our, our pumpkin spice latte and, and, and read the Bible and never do anything for Jesus either. Like that's out of balance too. And, and so there's a cycle here that I think that, that we can use as an example. But here's another thing that Jesus did. He invested heavily in relationships heavily in relationships. I mean, he spent a small amount of time with a lot of people, but he spent a lot of time with a very small group of people, and he invested heavily in those relationships. I think that's an example we follow. And then the other thing, he lived on mission. He had a purpose, he had a mission, and he lived it out. And so here's my question to you. Like, what do you want to accomplish? What is your personal mission statement? Do you have one? I mean, the mission of our church is to be lifelong followers of Jesus. I can tell you my mission is this. I want to unconditionally love and intentionally lead other people as I follow Jesus first at home and then at church. Like, that's my mission. I, I, I want to unconditionally love people. I want to intentionally lead them as I follow Jesus first at home and, and then in our, in our community. And I'll give you one more verse, all right? This is a bonus verse. Proverbs 21 and 5 says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Students, you need to get this one, okay? Because like, we're always trying to look for the fast thing. What's the fastest way that I can get it done? What's the shortest amount of time? And if it takes a shortcut to do it, I'll do it. That's not what the Bible says. Good planning and some hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So here's my question. If you have a mission and you have a goal, you, you have a vision for your life and you know what it is that you want to see happen, you know what it is that you believe God's birthed in your spirit to happen because that's really important, what's your plan? Because in order to experience success in that area of your life, I believe with all my heart, it's not just going to happen because you prayed about it. Let me ask you this. Do you think that God has the ability for you to walk out into a field and just pray, God, bring me a harvest. And all of a sudden, God, does he have the ability to bring forth an incredible harvest in that field for you because you prayed? Do you believe that God can do that? I believe that too. Is that typically the way we see God work in scripture? Not typically. Typically what we see is we plant and we, we, we sow and we do all the farmer things, right? We, we water and that's about all I know. Like we do that and, and then what happens? God brings forth the harvest. 
But most of the time, we have to plan. We have to work hard. We have to do our part. And then we see God do his part and bless us in a way that we never dreamed that he could bless us. So the question is, what's the plan? Because I'm convinced, and this is important, I don't think anybody ever planned to be poor. I don't think anybody ever planned to be overweight. I don't think anybody planned to be out of shape. I don't think any of us ever planned to be lazy, unemployed, or lonely. I think those are the result of things that happen when we don't plan. I don't think any of us said, you, you, know, you know what, here's what we're, we're going to do. You know, by the time I'm 40, I want to be so out of shape, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't think any of us do that. I, I, I don't think we do that. I don't think any of us thought, okay, all right, all right, here's the deal. By the age of 30, I want to be so far in debt, I'm really not sure how I'm going to pay my bills, okay? We don't do that. I, I, here, here's what I want. By my 10th wedding anniversary, I want my marriage to just really be bad, right? We don't do that. We don't plan for those things to happen. I think all of those things are a result of what happens when we don't plan. So what's the plan? Now, I personally, I was kind of talking out of my own person today, right? My, my, my personal best is when I make regular deposits in four buckets of my life. Why didn't I have four buckets up here today? Jamie, come on. Four buckets. I want you to visualize them today. Just imagine there's four buckets in my life, and I am at my personal best. I, I, I accomplish more of my goals, and I live more on, 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 on mission when I am daily making deposits in every one of these four buckets. And I, and I would challenge every one of you to begin to make daily deposits in, 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 in these four buckets. I met with somebody recently, and we started talking about these buckets and, and how to make deposits in them every single day. And, and, and the person reached out to me just like a week or two later and said, I feel better about my life than I have in months. Just taking a couple of weeks, making a daily deposit into each of these four buckets. And it can't just be one of them. I believe it's all of them. So what are the four buckets? These are the things you're going to write down. Here's the first one. You must make a deposit in your faith. Like every day. Every day. You need to spend time with Jesus. And I get it. You are, you are so busy. And you have a ton of responsibility. But here's the thing. If Jesus is not first in your life, you are failing right out of the gate. Okay? And I know that sounds really harsh. And I don't mean it to be. But it's God's word and it's true. Like it's a Matthew 6 and 33 principle. But seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you'll do that, he'll add all these other things to you. And so I'm convinced that the order of the buckets is important. Like we need to make sure that more than anything else in our life, that we're putting Jesus first. And, and I'm, this is going to sound hard, and, and I, I don't mean it to. And if you, don't, if you hear anything I say today and you think it's judgmental, you don't know me very well, okay? I'm just going to speak some things that I believe are truth to you. But if you are too busy to spend time with God on a daily basis and attend worship even just once a week, you are busier than God intended you to be. I'm going to let that sink in for a sec because I know it sounds hard, but I think it's true. 
If you're so busy that you don't have time to open his word and just spend some time in it every day, or, or, or to just spend some time praying every day, or, or, or to attend, attend a, a, a small group or, or worship experience, even on a weekly basis, I really believe we are busier than God ever intended us to be. Because if we don't do those things, how else do we allow the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in our lives? How else? Like that's the plan. Like the plan to grow in your faith, to grow as you follow Jesus, is to make that deposit in your life, to, to, to spend time in his word, to, to spend time in the community of other people as we grow in this relationship with Jesus together. If we don't follow that plan, how else does the Holy Spirit produce in you the fruits of the Spirit we see in Galatians 5? Let me, let me ask you, how many... Let's, all right, we're going to do this, okay, because you look a little bored. Stand up, all right? We're going to take a little test. This is so public, and we're going to right out here in front of God and everybody, okay? All right, are you ready for this? All right, here's what I want you to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a series of attributes, and if you lack those attributes in any area of your life, I want you to sit down. And if you make it to the end, we're going to applaud you. Okay, and, he, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm even going to give you grace. I'm even going to say if you even lack one of the attributes, you can stay standing. But if you hit two, you got to sit down. And if you're standing and somebody sits beside you, you should give them a good old judgmental glance and shake your head. <laughs> I can't even believe it. All right, here we go. This is so public today. Let's just, let's do it. God and everybody, okay? All right, love. Some of you lack love, but you don't have to sit down yet because you got a pass, right? You got one. Joy. The times in your life you don't have joy. Peace. Some times in your life that you don't have peace in your life. Patience. Oh, they're dropping like flies. <laughs> I knew that one would get us. <laughs> Kindness, goodness, nope, <laughs> faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. <laughs> and I'm not surprised that it would be a student that's still standing. I'm not surprised by that. Let's applaud him. Yep. I really thought it would have been you instead of your brother, but it's okay, right? All right? It's all right. What, what am I saying? We got some work to do, right? We got some areas of our life where we need the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in our life. How else do we do that without being in his presence? Where does that all come from? Galatians 5, 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and it doesn't say or. It'd be nice if it was or, right? It says and self-control. There is no law against these things. Here's the deal. No one ever planned to grow cold in their relationship with Jesus. Nobody ever planned to be burned out. Nobody ever planned to be so busy with life that they leave Jesus out. 
But those things happen. Why? Because you don't have a plan. So what's your plan? Here's the second bucket. That's the first bucket. Here's the second bucket. It's family. It's our relationships. Let me ask you this question. Is your marriage and family healthy? Now just let that sit for a second. Is your marriage and family healthy? Right? Just let it. Notice I didn't ask, is it okay? Is it tolerable? Right? I love the series of commercials that okay is not okay. Um, this is my favorite one. Take a look right here. First tattoo? Yeah. Relax, amigo. It's going to look okay. Only okay? No worries, boss. I'm one of the tattoo artists in the city. You mean one of the best tattoo artists in the city, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, aren't you supposed to draw it first? Stay in your lane, bro. Just okay is not okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that, right? And I know we say all the time, it's okay to not be okay. What do we mean by that? That we're not like all okay all the time. Like when it comes to our relationships, I don't want us to settle for just okay. Like average is not okay. Tolerable is not okay. Like our, our relationships, we want them to be flourishing. We want them to be God-centered, and we want we want God fulfilling His purpose in our marriages and in our family and our relationships. And I think if I went around and I said, "How's your relationships?" Probably most of us would say, "Everything's fine. It's all good." But but then I'd have to stop and I'd have to ask, "Would your spouse agree with that?" If you responded, everything is okay in my marriage, everything is good in my home, would your spouse agree with that assessment? Maybe this one's even more telling. Would your kids agree with that assessment? I've got a great friend in my life who likes to beat me up every now and then. His name is Jimmy Carroll. I love Pastor Jimmy at Journey. He's a good friend of mine. And he's just, some people are truth tellers, you know what I mean? And um, one of the first times I ever met with Pastor Jimmy, he, he, he looked at me and, and he said, let me ask you a question. Like, tell me what your schedule's like. Like, tell me like, what, what you do during the day and what you do in the evenings and, and like walk me through that whole deal. And, and so I did. Like, I just walked him through. Monday, it's this. And Monday night, it's this. And Tuesday, it's this. And Tuesday night, it's this. And I just went through that whole thing. It was really early in our church plan. Like, that was probably like 12 years ago. And, and, and I got about halfway through my schedule. And here's the deal, okay? Because here's what I was doing. While I was explaining to him how busy I was, I was feeling very accomplished internally. Because here's what we like to do, is we like to brag about how busy we are and how important we are and how many meetings that we have to attend because somehow that validates our worth and, and, and that, that, that we, are, we are important. And about halfway through me describing how important I was because I had a lot to do, he looked at me and he said, you know what? Let me just stop you. I don't even have to ask your wife what kind of husband you are because you can't be a good husband keeping that schedule. And he said, and here's the bad thing. You're raising up a whole congregation of men just like you. And I was like, we are not going to be friends anymore, okay? All right? I don't need friends like you. <laughs> but it was so true. And, and, it, and it helped me to really take an honest assessment at the way I spend my time. Am I present at home? Or am I choosing to cheat my family out of time that I'm giving to everybody else? Last night, my wife was watching a movie who's in the house today. So glad to see my, my wife doing well enough to be in church with us today. 
um, she was watching The Devil Wears Prada. Uh, it's a Christian movie. Um, no, it, it's, it's not. If you've seen it, like Miranda Press Priestley is, is, is played by Meryl Streep. Is that right? And uh, she's this bad, like, CEO. Like, she's like the devil. She's just, you hate her the whole time, right? She's just bad. And, and, and she's describing to her assistant, who you kind of like. She's kind of the, the protagonist. And this kinda, she's kind of the person you kind of like. Her name is Andy. And, and she tells Andy, she says, I see a lot of, of, of myself in you. And basically saying, you know, if you continue down the path you're on, like you can be like me. And you could see it in her eye. I don't want to be like you. And she even said, no, I, I would never make the choices that you've made, not the way you've hurt people. I would never do that. Like I would, I would never do that to people I love and I care about. Like, and and I, can, I can see us saying something like that. Like we see other families and we see other marriages and we see the way other husbands do and the way other wives do and the way other people treat other people and, and the way they spend their time and, and, and neglect their family and the people they love. And, and what would we do? We would say, oh, I would never do that. I, I, oh, that's not me. I, I don't do it that way. The, the reason that I do the things that I do are for different reasons, and I don't really have a choice. Like, we are so quick to justify our choices, but yet we are so judgmental about everybody else's choice. It, it's because, it's because like, we, we, we often judge ourselves because of our good intentions, right? And we don't know their good intentions. We just see what they do, so we judge them. But yet we give ourselves a pass, but that's a whole different sermon. And, and so finally, like Andy looks at Miranda and says, that's not what I do. No, that was completely different. And then she says this, she says what we often say, I didn't have a choice. And we do that all the time. I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice but to spend my time that way. I didn't have a choice but to, to do that. I, I didn't have a choice but to, to do this. And, and what she said was so powerful to her. Miranda looks at her and says, no, baby, you had a choice. You chose. You chose to get ahead because you wanted this life. And to have this life, those choices were necessary. And when I heard it, like something inside of me was like, my goodness, what are we really choosing here? The schedule we keep, what are we really choosing? The way that we're spending our money, like it's crazy, like they're just making it and just handing it to us. Like, like what are we choosing here? We often say in our staff meetings, you do what you want to do. The choices you make, they're yours. You do what it is that you want to do. So as it relates to our family, let's give some action steps. Here's, here's the first thing. Do the opposite of what comes naturally. I don't know why, but like what comes naturally to most of us, except for a few people who stood through almost all of the fruits of the Spirit, like most of us, what comes natural does not lead to healthy relationships. So we kind of need to lean into what's not always natural because what's natural is often very self-serving and self-centered and selfish. So maybe we need to do the opposite of what comes natural. Here's the second thing. We need to be very intentional about the time that we give to our families and about the time that we give away from our families. Now, one of the best advice I could possibly give you is sit down at the beginning of the season and go ahead now and put on your calendar your times that you will spend with your family. Do that now. We do that at the beginning of every season. Like months in advance, we'll go through and put on our family calendar. This is family time. And we protect it with everything we have within it. Why? Because that time is so radically important. 
And if you wait to squeeze in family time after you've given time to everybody else and their brother, you know what's gonna happen? Your relationships will suffer. And so we've gotta make sure that we put God first, but our spouse above the rest. That's an important principle. God first and our spouse above the rest. We've got to invest our time. And then guys, this is just a little bonus for you. Um, and ladies, you don't have to say amen. I just felt like I needed to say this today. Guys, pursue her heart, not just her body. Pursue her heart. Pursue her heart. Invest in the relationship. Invest in her. Why? Because great relationships aren't built in a day. Great relationships are built every day. Nobody ever planned to get married and fall out of love. Nobody ever planned to just be roommates raising kids together. Nobody ever planned to grow distant from their children. Those things happen, why? When you don't have a plan. If we can get those two things right today, it would change everything for some of us. But don't you even expect to see God move in your life and do the miraculous if you're not first seeking first Him and His righteousness. All of these other things that we talk about over these next few weeks are byproducts of that relationship. And so if you want this next season to be different from the last, if, if you wanna see God do, like we pray all the time, exceedingly above all we can ask, think, or even imagine, and it's gotta start by asking Him to be your Lord and Savior and allowing Him to be first. Would you stand with me this morning? I know what you're thinking. What if, whoa, 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 there's two more buckets. It's called a cliffhanger, my friend. And when you come back next week, we're gonna discover what the other two buckets are. And if you don't come back next week, you'll just be unhealthy. <laughs> that was good. Um, a little proud of myself there. But over these next seven days, let's focus on these two. And right now, I, I want you to just, um, I want you to just surrender some stuff to him in this moment. You know, there are two things that are really important as we follow Jesus. It's confession and repentance. And do you know they're not the same? We treat them the same, but they're not the same. 
Confession is, is me admitting that I've got some things that need forgiveness. Admitting that I have some sin in my life. And you know what's funny? I think that every sin that you commit and that I commit is a result of one of those fruits of the Spirit missing in our life. Think about that for a second. Because right now you're trying so hard to manage your behavior and you're failing at it. Instead of just managing your behavior and continuing to fail over and over and over again, why don't you focus on really allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you with his power and produce a fruit in your life where you no longer need that sin? Do you see how that happens? I believe every time I sin, it's because there's a fruit of the Spirit missing in my life. And so if I can allow the Holy Spirit to infuse me with his power and his presence, fill me with his spirit, then, then, then maybe I'd see that fruit in my life where I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't fall into that temptation and sin. The confession is important because it's calling out the sin in our life and we need to confess. But we also need repentance because you can confess and have every intention of going right back to everything you just confessed. But repentance means I'm gonna confess it because I know it's a sin and weakness in my life and I'm asking Jesus to cover it, but now I'm repenting of that. I'm confessing with a repentant heart because now I want to do something different in my life. I don't wanna go back to the way it was. I don't wanna go back to the way that relationship was. I don't wanna go back to that behavior. I don't wanna go back to living my life that way. I don't wanna go back to keeping that schedule. I don't wanna go back to responding to my spouse that way. I confess that it is sin and now I repent. And if the Lord will help me, I'll do it differently now. Do you see there's a difference? We need both. And so today, if there's anything in your heart and life that, that the Holy Spirit has just checked you with, then right where you are with a repentant spirit, can we, can we confess that to him? In your way, would, would, you, would you do that? Lord, I pray right now as we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Um, Lord, I believe the Holy Spirit is working in this room and in some lives and and I know Holy Spirit you're working in mine right now and so Lord we just call it out Lord we, we confess of the sin that so easily entangles us and I pray in the mighty name of